I'm Michael McMullen. And I'm John Mark Yates. Welcome to This Week in Church History. Welcome to This Week in Church History for the week May 3 through 9. Our focus today is the formation and foundation of the Southern Baptist Convention, which started in Augusta, Georgia on May 8 in 1845. To talk about this, our special guest today is Malcolm Yarnell, research professor of systematic theology at Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary in Fort Worth, Texas. He's also the teaching pastor of Lakeside Baptist Church of Granbury, Texas. If you've been around SBC circles for any amount of time, you're well acquainted with Dr. Yarnell, his Academic and scholarly works uh, are well-received. His books like The Formation of Christian Doctrine, uh, God, the Trinity, Biblical Portraits, uh, and Royal Priesthood in the English Reformation uh, are three of his main works uh, that you could access some of his academic writing on. But Dr. Yarnell also frequently comments and uh, works in uh, articles and other formats that help encourage pastors and leaders to think about uh, serving local churches and helping the Southern Baptist Convention even uh, be better at what we do and what our calling is. Uh, welcome to our, our show, Dr. Yarnell. I'm here with uh, Mike McMullen, my colleague and uh, co-host, who you also had a chance to serve with uh, during your stint at Midwestern, if I'm not mistaken. That's true. And it's uh, good to talk to you both, Professor McMullen and Professor Yates. Uh, it is always a joy uh, to uh, interact with both of you and to uh, to support uh, all that uh, you at your seminary and all of our seminaries do mm. for the church. Yes, yeah, that's right. That's right. So, Dr. Yarnell, as we uh, are thinking about the SBC and uh, the birth of the SBC, what was going on that even started uh, a conversation for a Baptist convention in the South? Yeah. Well, I mean, this is, uh, we can mention 1845, but in reality, the uh, the ideas and the people and the movements and the events that led up uh, to the creation of the Southern Baptist Convention go much further back. Uh, we have to recognize that there are all sorts of Baptists, and Baptists are, are free church people, and so we uh, discern the Word of God and, and then try to live out the Word of God as best we see it. And so the local community has been very important. I think the reason that the uh, Southern Baptist Convention uh, began was that local churches in the south of the United States saw things differently than local churches in the northern part of the United States. Now, the two big issues that need to be considered, and you can find both of these issues discussed in the historical literature, are on the one hand slavery, and on the other hand uh, constitutionalism. And so one is about how we should be treating those who were classified as slaves, and the other who has authority and may practice authority. And so those were the two big ideas that were in debate and in conflict with one another 
uh, around the foundation of the Southern Baptist Convention in 1845. When we um, think about the creation of the SBC, how important were missions to those who were there at the forefront of, of what would be this new body as such? Right. Well, that's a that's a great question. I think we have to remember that Baptists, after the beginning of the modern mission movement, which arose uh, among the English Baptists in the late 18th century, mm-hmm. you have, uh, under the leadership of William Carey and Andrew Fuller, and John Sutcliffe and others in the Northamptonshire Baptist Association, a uh, a new way of conceiving the role of the churches in uh, in time, and that is to fulfill the Great Commission and to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. And so Baptists uh, were just galvanized towards missions, mm-hmm. and this was true in uh, Great Britain. It was also true in the American colonies. Mm-hmm, and so yes. once Fuller's ideas in particular had uh, been disseminated, and once the idea of cooperative missions had begun, uh, by by the time of the formation of the Triennial Convention in 1814, which was a national convention, if you will, mm. of Baptists in America, uh, it was just almost, not entire, but it was almost universal that Baptists were committed and saw their role the church's role as being engaged in fulfilling the Great Commission in obedience to Jesus Christ. And so missions was the motivation for all of the mission societies and not merely for the creation of the Southern Baptist Convention. The Southern Baptist Convention wasn't created in order to start something new mm-hmm. as far as mission, but to continue doing what they had been doing for, oh, well, uh, 30 and 40 years. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about that for just a second, because you mentioned the constitutionalism and the aspect of slavery as two of the uh, aspects that that differentiated what was happening there at the start. But the tip of the spear, so to speak, was missions and who could be uh, a missionary. So talk a little bit about that and how that expressed itself uh, within this formation of the early years of the SBC. Right. Well, you have the growth of anti-slavery as an idea that has uh, gained traction, especially in the uh, the first and second quarters of the 19th century. And up north, anti-slavery is building, and down south, after the Denmark uh, Vesey Rebellion, uh, Baptists in the South almost entirely galvanized towards supporting slavery, and we could talk about that, but out of fear of a rebellion by the uh, slave uh, population. And so you had a hardening of attitudes in the North and a hardening of attitudes in the South. But then Texas enters the picture. So I'm here in Texas, and Texans can never be left out of the story. But there were two uh, Baptists that were uh, appointed to work in the uh, Houston and Galveston areas. One was named uh, James Huckins and the other William uh, Tryon. 
and Tryon, by the way, formed the first Baptist association in Texas, there had been some debate about whether there should be any uh, involvement in uh, missions in Texas uh, by the Home Mission Society of the Triennial Convention. And they had, you know, finally decided, yes, we can do a little bit there. Little did they know how much Texas would grow as a Baptist mm. uh, uh, state. Uh, <laughs> and and so the, uh, the uh, but the problem was, is that uh, Tryon in particular was a slave owner. And mm. this created a great deal of controversy uh, in the northern papers because the question became, should Northern Baptists mm. who have a problem with slavery as a matter of conscience have their funds being used to support a slave owner? And so the old American uh, struggle with uh, the idea of uh, taxation without representation mm. actually is playing in the back of the, the American Baptists' minds here. But the problem was, is that the convention had taken and decided that since it had been established in 1814, the Triennial Convention, without addressing the slavery issue, right. then a Southern uh, uh, Baptists, use that at Southern with a, a little S there at this point, had said, then we shouldn't even be concerned. It doesn't matter whether a man is a slave owner or not. That is just not an issue from a constitutional perspective. And so Northern Baptists are inflamed by the idea that their money is being used to support those who are uh, slave owners, and that violated their consciences. Mm. Mm. So then we end up with this... uh formation of uh, a separate organization geographically represented uh, in, in a way that mirrors what's happening in American culture uh, as a whole. And uh, it, it's, it's, I think, helpful, at least when I work with my students, to at least talk about uh, and take a small digression about this conflicted understanding of uh, slavery in the SBC as a whole. Um, some would want to say because it's founded with such um, such an uh, what some of you would call the original sin of the SBC. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that something that we should say? Well, then there's no validity here. But uh, as Jarvis Williams and others have have helpfully pointed out, there were movements even in the 19th century to uh, move away from that that mooring. Um, and, and of course, we get to the, the 20th century in 1995 and uh, the, the formal uh, apologies for our involvement even within uh, slavery. What have you seen as some of the ways in which Southern Baptists have dealt with this blot on their, their past, so to speak? No, that's a great question. So, uh, some have referred uh, to the issue of slavery as the original sin of the Southern Baptist Convention. And I actually affirm that, I believe, in my book on the formation of Christian doctrine. 
It has also been identified as the original sin of the establishment of the United States of yes. America. And so uh, the question is, is, what do you do? Do you just uh, go away uh, from it and decide, well, since it was established with this horrible uh, institution, uh, should we just reject it in uh, toto? Well, that's a bit more difficult of a uh, of, of a, a question to answer. And my response would be this: sometimes, in order to uh, rectify uh, the problems of the past, it may require something new. Mm-hmm. I mean, the establishment of the United States of America was itself a an attempt to rectify what the founders of the United States saw as unconstitutional movements uh, by the British government. Uh, The Southern Baptist Convention was founded uh, in part on the basis that the uh, Northern Baptists who were dominating the Triennial Convention were actually acting in an unconstitutional way, and therefore something new should be created. So I'm not against the idea of creating something new. I guess what I would argue is this. You will find no human institution that is without sin upon Mm. this planet until Jesus Christ comes again. Mm. And so whether or not you decide to move forward with the creation of something new, don't fool yourself into thinking that whatever you create will somehow uh, avoid the problem of original sin. The American experiment has been characterized by both good and evil, just as every nation is characterized by both good and evil. And the Southern Baptist Convention itself has been characterized by both good and evil. And some of it, I think, stretches back to how we treat one another as human beings. Mm -hmm. And when I look at the theology of the Southern Baptist Convention in its foundation, I see some anthropological errors that are occurring in Southern Baptist thought. And I have to step back and say, we have to still reform our theology. And this is an ongoing task. We've always got to take and uh, match what we're seeing in Scripture against what we see in ourselves and in culture and allow scripture to bring judgment upon our culture, including upon our subcultures. Mm -hmm. And that's more difficult to do because that requires a self-reflection. So in answer to your question, does that, you know, does the fact that the Southern Baptist Convention was started at least in part, and I think in significant part, because of the support of slavery, should it be rejected? I don't think I have an easy answer to that question, and I would just encourage anyone who is thinking in that direction to make sure to do a self-check on their own soul to remember that none of us ever get it perfect, mm-hmm. ever. Yeah. Dr. Yarnell, as uh, myself, as, as a relative, uh, relatively newcomer to the the Southern Baptist Convention. It's been 22 years. Uh, I see myself as a kind of proud adopted son of the SBC. Uh, uh, I'm uh, so encouraged to be involved in uh, an educational institution uh, that belongs to the SBC. Uh, And I'd like to ask, um, 
you know, something about how the Southern Baptists have seen the the importance of education um, as a movement? Oh, that's a great question. Uh, first of all, I want to address something you brought up, adopted son of the Southern Baptist Convention. That's a great uh, way to present yourself. And of course, I think our listeners will detect a British accent that is uh, right. coming from Dr. <laughs> McMullen. But uh, Dr. McMullen, before you go too far with that, my, uh, my father's family, the Arnells, uh, were from Pennsylvania. And, I, and if you go to Gettysburg, uh, that place of great battle, yes. you'll find that my name is actually on the northern side. But my mother's side of the family hmm. is thoroughly Louisianian. And so I have both northern and southern blood in me. Right. And moreover, on the one hand, I have Quaker ancestors who were among the first to petition the new Congress of the United States to do away with slavery. Mm. And this is before the beginning of the abolitionist movement. Mm-hmm. And so yes. uh, all of us, when we are born again, we become adopted children of yes. God. And because Southern Baptists in our churches have a polity of uh, regenerate church membership, all of us mm-hmm. are adopted sons yeah. and daughters. And so um, now your uh, second uh, question, what about the response to education? What is how do uh, Southern Baptists respond to education? I think there have uh, been two uh, major tendencies among Baptists. On the one hand, uh Many will argue that we need to have a, a thoroughgoing uh, um, a series of institutions that are involved in theological education and education generally, mm-hmm. because, you know, we are created in the image of God and Christ himself is the logos. And so logic is part of our whole makeup. So mm-hmm. studying the various logics or uh, ologies is important uh, for us, uh, from anthropology to zoology. And so this is all part of what it means to be human and to be created in the image of God, mm-hmm. and that we ought to be developing our minds the best. And of course, as uh, Baptists, uh, we are people of the book, and so we ought to be growing in our knowledge of the book. That's all right. But there's another tendency that says, well, you know, there has been liberalism, mm-hmm. for instance, that has come uh, into uh, some of our institutions. And this is why the conservative resurgence of the Southern Baptist Convention happened in the latter part of the 20th century. Well, and that's true, that that needs to be combated. And so what you end up with is both a pro-intellectual outlook and an anti-intellectual mm-hmm. Yes. Mm. Both of those have been characteristic of Baptists. Mm-hmm. And so myself, I want to uh, be both pro-intellectual, because I think that's part of what it means to be made in the image of God. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, I want to uh, make sure that we always remember the human intellect must submit itself to the Word and the Spirit of God. Yeah. And so both pro-intellectual and anti-intellectual, do we need education? I think across the board, we would say yes. As a matter of fact, we have an article on that in the Baptist Faith and Message. That's right. On the other hand, we need to be careful not uh, to allow intellectualism mm-hmm. uh, to become uh, so uh, uh, proud of itself 
uh, that it can move against the word and the spirit. Yeah. Dr. Garnell, uh, one of the geniuses some have said about the Southern Baptist Convention by the time we reach the 20th century is the formation of the cooperative program. Uh, what is so significant about this uh, that other uh, denominations have used that as a template, as a model uh, for uh, missions and shared cooperative work together? Yeah, you know, this is a great question. And recently I was uh, queried on the convention model uh, by uh, German Baptists, Russian German Baptists, and they have been amazed at how uh, well Southern Baptists have done. So, Let's step back to a minute to Dr. McMullen's question about uh, missions and organizing for missions. Yes, that was the uh, impetus behind the creation of the Triennial Convention in 1814. Mm -hmm. And uh, but the Triennial Convention really only had missions as its goal. It did not consider things like benevolence mm -hmm. or education. Mm -hmm. And so uh, Baptists in the South, Richard Berman, uh, the pastor of the First Baptist Church of Charleston, uh, and really one who's been called the father of the Southern Baptist Convention, uh, Furman has uh, had the idea of a convention model as opposed to a society model. You have two different models. You can either allow various purposes that churches come together to organize themselves, to organize themselves just around those various purposes, or you can have all the purposes brought together into one, and then the churches come together behind all of those purposes together as one. The society model treats it in a scattered approach. The convention model treats it in a combined approach. And so the convention model, which is the model that the Southern Baptist Convention chose through the influence of William Bulline Johnson, its first president, who, by the way, was a lawyer and was thinking deeply about these types of things. <laughs> and so Furman and Johnson wanted a convention that would take and bring the churches together in one sacred effort, was actually Johnson's uh, 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 terminology. And so bringing all of the missions, the education, the benevolence, and we've added to that such things as ethical and religious liberty, uh, concerns, bringing all that together and addressing it as one was the idea behind the foundation of the uh, Southern Baptist Convention. Mm -hmm. Now, that said, that's great. But what has given the Southern Baptist Convention uh, longevity and the ability to survive and thrive through the years is the fact of what we call the cooperative program. The cooperative program was created later about, uh, what is it, Dr. Yates, uh, 80 years later, hmm. uh, from the foundation of the Southern Baptist Convention. And the cooperative program has been key to that because our local churches have worked into their budgets, mm -hmm. ongoing budgets, support for the cooperative program. And then those monies are used at the state and national levels in order to support and uh, come together to promote missions, evangelism, uh, theological education, uh, religious liberty, uh, benevolences, all of these come together through that common, that one sacred effort. Mm. And uh, so the foundation of the Southern Baptist Convention with its convention model, as opposed to the Northern 
society model allowed more corporate uh, uh, muscle, if you will, but then the uh, creation of the cooperative program from financial perspective is what really brought it all together. That's that to me is uh, one of the the things that really sets apart uh, what's there, and there could be a whole conversation even just about the the cooperative program that we might have to do on a separate episode. One of the things that we ask our guests frequently as we take our topic that we've been talking about and ask, what if this person or what if this movement uh, hadn't existed? Uh, in your perspective, uh, what if there had been no SBC? What, what would be different? What would be changed? Our God is a sovereign God. He has given us a mission. He has all power and authority to accomplish his mission. God will have his mission accomplished with or without the Southern Baptist Convention. So I am glad for the Southern Baptist Convention, and I support it and try to promote it. Uh, I think it is a great denomination. It is not without its errors. It's not without its failures. Uh, But I do believe that the churches who make up the uh, Southern Baptist Convention I think there is so much in them that God is doing. I'm glad to be a part of it. But a convention, by the way, an association of churches, is not a divinely created entity. Jesus Christ established the churches. Human beings who belong to the churches have established associations and conventions. And so whatever we do, We need to recognize that our God is sovereign. Jesus Christ is Lord, and he will accomplish his purposes one way or another. I'm just glad to be a member of the kingdom of God. Mm. That that is a great word Mm. and a great reminder. And one of the things that I think is fitting for how we often talk here at Midwestern about everything tying back to the church and I know your your deep heart and love for the local church, and, and that is expressed even in uh, your statement there. Thank you so much for joining yes. us today, Dr. Yarnell. This has been a great uh, discussion about uh, the birth of the SBC and uh, getting a chance to talk and think through that um, from a broader, even theological standpoint uh, about how this uh, has worked out within our own country and even on a global scale. Amen. Thank you for having me, Dr. Yates and uh, Dr. McMullen. And uh, it's always good to be uh, with friends and colleagues in the uh, great uh, educational mission of the Southern Baptist Mm. Convention. Absolutely. Well, for our listeners, uh, if you want to check out some of the writings of Dr. Yarnell, as always, you can find many of his books and writings available to you at the Sword and Trowel bookstore. And there at the Sword and Trowel, even during our quarantine season, uh, you can find those uh, easily at the Sword and Trowel online. Uh, and then once everything is lifted here, hopefully uh, in the weeks to come, you can come to our beautiful campus mm-hmm. and uh, access our incredible uh, bookstore and the resources that are there available to you. Thanks for listening to This Week in Church History. We will see you next week.